Welcome into Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope joined this week by Garrick Hodge, who is filling in for Griffin Strom while he's on vacation. Uh, Garrick, one of the happiest men in Columbus right now, because uh, while those of us who are Blue Jackets fans are disappointed about how the draft lottery went last night, Garrick is a Chicago Blackhawks fan. So uh, the rich get richer team that uh, won a few cups in recent memory is now going to get the best NHL prospect in a long time. Best thing the NHL commissioner ever did. Totally non-rigged draft and uh, couldn't have been happier with the result. Well, we'll not dive too far into NHL draft lottery conspiracy theories here on Real Pod Wednesdays, but we are going to dive into recruiting as we always do when Garrick is on the show uh, because he, of course, is our recruiting analyst at uh, 11 Warriors. And I think an apropos time to have Garrick on the show because we were just at the Under Armour camp on Sunday, we saw a lot of commits and other Ohio State targets there, so plenty of uh, new insight, uh, plenty to talk about there, but a lot has changed since you were last on the show, Garrick. You you were on in late March, and at the time, Ohio State only had four commits, and I remember us asking you if there was any reason for Ohio State fans to be worried about the fact that Ohio State had only four commits, and, and you said no, that it's too early to raise any alarm bells and you were right because Ohio state now has 13 commits, nine new commits in the last really six or seven weeks. And Ohio state now has the number two class of 2024 behind only Michigan, but the Buckeyes have an higher average player rating than Michigan. And so we're really starting to see this class come together now and it feels like there's a lot of reasons for Ohio State fans to be optimistic about this recruiting class going into what, of course, is going to be a pivotal summer with official visits. Yeah, precisely. On the money prediction, nobody should ever go back and like hold me accountable for any other prediction I've ever made while coming on this show. But you want to hold me accountable for that one? I will take accountability for it. But no, they've done a tremendous job on the recruiting trail, in particular on the offensive side of the ball. There will be more offensive additions in the coming months, but for the most part, I mean, they're pretty set offensively. You've got your quarterback uh, in Aaron Oland. You've got two five-star receivers in Jeremiah Smith and Mylon Graham, who we saw at the Under Armour camp that we'll get into in a little bit. Um, you've got three running backs, Jordan Lyle, James Peoples, and Sam Williams-Dixon. Um, three tremendous players that have different strengths and weaknesses there. And um, on the defensive side, though, there's still a lot more work to be done. Garrett Stowers finally off his island as the lone defensive commit, and they got him another linebacker in Peyton Pierce. And those two have seemed to make a fast connection and are in communication with each other quite frequently. And Peyton, I think, could be a great uh, Mike or weak side linebacker one day for the Buckeyes. And, um, you know, there's four offensive linemen in there as well and rooms for further addition. So I think they're off to a roaring start. And, you know, who knows? They're looking at a, another top five class again. You you mentioned, you know, the defensive side of a ball, only two commits on, on defense so far. Do you think there's anything to worry about there or do you expect a lot of movement on that side of a ball coming up here in June and July? I'm somewhere in the middle on that one, um, whereas in March I said it's too early to panic and it'll sort itself out. 
I think that there's very real reason for concern when you factor in last year that at one point they were considered favorites for three high-profile defensive ends. Uh, Keon Keeley, Mateo Uyungle, whose last name I finally learned to pronounce when I learned he wasn't coming to Ohio State, <laughs> and Damon Wilson. And they went 0 for 3. And, you know, sometimes maybe there's extenuating factors to why they didn't get him in other years that they might have. But I, I do think that, you know, considering how Ohio State's season has ended defensively the past couple of years, there still may need to be a few more proof in the pudding showcases from Jim Knowles' defense this year before they can stop, start landing those very top-tier players that they're co- coveting. But I also think that they're going to make further additions. They're obviously not only going to sign two defensive players. They're still going to get some very good blue-chip level guys. Um, some could probably come from the state. Some will come out of state. And while they're not going to convert on everyone they want, I think they should end up with a class that they're very pleased with when all of a sudden done. How worried do you think Ohio State fans should be about Michigan's recruiting efforts right now? Because if, if you looked before this year, there had been a clear gap on the recruiting trail between the Buckeyes and the Wolverines. And, and that gap is certainly closed, which I think is something you should expect when Michigan has beaten Ohio State two years in a row and has gone to the college ball playoff two years in a row that Michigan's going to start getting more talent. And that certainly been the case so how much like do you think that should worry Ohio State fans right now I think it's worrisome from a Michigan sustainability perspective whereas you know those Ohio State fans that were hoping that Michigan being relevant again was just a blip on the radar maybe a season or two um, well it seems to be translating into the recruiting style as well and they're getting the talent that maybe not isn't quite on par with Ohio State in terms of the blue chip top tier guys, but it's getting pretty close. Um, And, you know, we'll see how Jaden Davis turns out. Very excited to see how he plays out. And, you know, that was another thing. Um, I know that the Big Ten is very anti-SEC in terms of, you know, the Big Ten only cares about their teams where the SEC loves to boast about their conference superiority and the Big Ten fans generally. Now, there's maybe some exceptions, but for the most part, couldn't care less about all that. Um, but I think, you know, from a college football perspective, it's really cool to see five-star quarterbacks going to other teams in the Big Ten besides just Ohio State. Um, so there's going to be lots of talent going throughout. But to answer your question, yeah, it's it's definitely eyebrow-raising that Michigan's recruiting efforts is matching its on-field play. And frankly, I don't think Ohio State will worry about it too much, at least not publicly. They won't. But I think they're going to just be focused on, all right, well, um, we're still recruiting at a high level. We're going to continue to recruit at a high level. And we've just got to transition those recruitments on specific sides of the ball, the development and the on-field play will take care of itself. Yeah, I mean, when when you look at like true recruiting wins for Michigan over Ohio State, I mean, the only one you'd really look at in this cycle and say is a true recruiting win for Michigan was Jordan Marshall, which literally mm-hmm. happened hours after we recorded our last podcast with you. So we didn't yep. get to talk <laughs> about it, even though the podcast published after that happened. But I mean, that one, you know, we, we, we don't want to sugarcoat that one. That one was a win for Michigan. Ohio state really wanted Jordan Marshall and 
didn't get him. Now, Ohio State has recovered quite nicely from that because Ohio State already has free running backs now in the class, even without Jordan Marshall. They got James Peoples. They got Jordan Lyle. They got Sam Williams Dixon. So Ohio State's just fine at running back uh, without Jordan Marshall. You still hate seeing a guy that you really wanted from your own state go to the team up north. But, you know, Ohio State recovered from that just fine. Uh, you know, I mean, Jaden Davis, I don't think you can really consider that one a recruiting loss for Ohio State in the sense that if Ohio State had consistently prioritized him as its top quarterback, I think Ohio State would have had a really good chance to get him. Or it may have been a really true battle between Ohio State and Michigan. But the reality was when Ohio State went all in on Dylan Rayola, Jaden Davis kind of lost interest in Ohio State. And so when when Ohio State tried to jump back into that race, once Rayola decommitted, it was already too late for Ohio State. And so I don't think you can look at that as a true loss to Michigan. Now, it, you don't like seeing him go to Michigan again because now you've got, okay, they've got a really good quarterback right now in J.J. McCarthy, and now they're bringing in another five-star to potentially succeed him. And so we're definitely seeing the, the level of talent at Michigan rise up, and that only increases the onus for Ohio State now to, to continue recruiting an elite level because I think we've, we've always kind of looked at the recruiting conversation of Ohio state. And it's always been about kind of comparing Ohio state to Alabama and Georgia and Clemson. It's those teams that Ohio state's going to play in the college ball playoff. But now I think you really can look at it and say, okay, now you got to recruit to beat Michigan. I mean, you've lost to Michigan two years in a row and Michigan's recruiting at that high level. So now all, all of a sudden, you know, I think for several years there, you couldn't really consider Michigan a recruiting rival for Ohio state because they really weren't battling for any of the same prospects. Now I think Michigan really has emerged as that top rival for Ohio State on the recruiting trail again, whether it be a Jordan Marshall who's already committed to Michigan or guys like Aaron Scott and Bryce West, who Ohio State is still in a good position with, but Michigan's making a hard effort to try to land too. I think you bring up a very good point with that in terms of where Ohio State might be a little bit nervous about Michigan's recruiting pedigree rising is let's say three, four years ago, Michigan wouldn't even try to go into Ohio to take an upper tier Ohio player that Ohio State really wanted. They wouldn't waste any resources on it. Wouldn't even bother. And now they're putting quite a bit of effort and resources into it. And they got the first shoe to drop in Jordan Marshall, like their first big win in Ohio over a player that Ohio State really wanted. And, you know, Right now with Aaron Scott, it's neck and neck. Like, I don't know if I'd be able to declare a winner. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, for all we know, Ohio State may very well end up with Aaron Scott, and that may be my prediction as of now. But it's not out of the realm of possibility whatsoever that Michigan comes into Ohio this cycle and takes two of the top five players in Ohio and adds them to their roster, which would have been unheard of a couple of years ago before this run kind of started for Michigan. So in that respect, you make a very valid point that Michigan is a recruiting rival now for Ohio state where a couple of years ago, their recruiting rivals were Georgia, Alabama. And I think that is something to watch, but I still am not ready to, I think it's more of an eyebrow raising moment than it is a time to press the panic button because Ohio state is still going to win the Ohio recruit battle eight out of 10 times, probably more um, over Michigan. But we've at least seen trends of Michigan can come into Ohio and take one away, especially if current trends keep up on the field. 
Yeah, and if you look at the 24-7 composite ranks, I mean, really, if you consider Aaron Scott as a guy who's probably kind of 50-50 right now between Ohio State and Michigan, Michigan could actually land three of the top four prospects in Ohio in the 2024 class. Now, Brian Robinson is not a guy who would be considered a win over Ohio State because Ohio State has not offered Brian Robinson. But Brian Robinson is right now the fourth-ranked prospect in Ohio, and and he looks like a guy who's a Michigan lean right now. And so, you know, Michigan certainly has made a concerted effort in this class to go get talent in Ohio. That 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 part has been very clear. And I think, you know, even for I think even from their perspective, even going in and getting some of those guys who maybe Ohio State doesn't really want, it's still planting a flag. It's still sending a message that, hey, we we are not afraid of you anymore. We we are going to come into your state and we're going to get guys if we think we can get them. And, and so that's something that Ohio State certainly is going to have to be able to respond to. Dan, you and I went to the Under Armour Nets camp on Sunday in Obets, conveniently located about 30 minutes away from our complex. And we got to watch six Ohio State commits work out there. And out of Mylon Graham, Sam Williams Dixon, and Garrett Stover, who in my opinion were probably the three strongest looking guys of the six that were there, which of those trio impressed you the most? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought all three of those guys had really good days uh, at the Under Armour camp on Sunday, but I would say the guy who caught my eye the most was Garrett Stover. And I think what really caught my eye about Garrett Stover is he looks like a linebacker now. I think when he worked out at Ohio State last June where he ultimately earned his offer from Ohio State. He worked out as a safety and he looked like a safety. Now you can see his frame filling out to where he looks like a guy who's going to play linebacker and talking to him after he thinks he is going to play linebacker. But the important thing about that is he looks like a linebacker, but he still runs like a safety. He still he looked really good in coverage drills. I think certainly the the moment of the camp that got the most attention was uh, when he actually went head to head with Jordan Marshall in a one on one rep. That was something that they planned. They wanted to go head to head against each other, and Garrett Stover picked off the pass, ran stride for stride with with Marshall in coverage, and then made great play on the ball. Underthrown pass, but nevertheless, he was in the position. He he made the play on the ball, and so I, I thought it was a really good day for Garrett Stover. Just you know, seeing his ability, uh, in, you know, in coverage as a linebacker, and you know, I think you know you you can see now. You know, I think there was kind of some ambiguity as of last year of kind of where exactly does he fit in Ohio State's defense. I think now you can see that fit coming into view. Is hey, this you know he's a guy who's probably going to play linebacker, but he's going to give them some needed coverage ability at that position. You know, if I was just answering this question straight up, I'd probably say Mylon Graham, but I'm going to go a little bit of a different way. But before I do, I'm going to put the caveat out there that everything I saw from Mylon Graham makes me believe that he's truly a five-star wide receiver and that he's lived up to his billing and more. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch him a whole lot when he came to Ohio state in June and, you know, Brian Hartline kind of discovered him out of nowhere and gave him his first offer out of, you know, the eventual dozens of division one offers that followed, but um, just looked real smooth. Um, He won every single one of his one-on-one reps and basically said, yeah, I wasn't that good today. I could have done a lot better. And (laughs) one, he uh, just absolutely toasted this poor cornerback on a slant and made it look like it was child's play. And he was like, yeah, yeah, could have gotten off that break a little bit better. Not, not, not great. But um, my answer is Sam Williams Dixon 
And that's purely from a, you know, this guy's a three-star guy. Um, he's hoping to, he openly admitted he's hoping to get a fourth star by the end of the season after he plays against maybe some more stout competition after he's transferred to Pickerington North, um, play a, at a upper high level of football than compared to where he was playing over at West Holmes. But I, I knew that he was a good receiver, but I didn't know he was that good. Um, the guys taking on linebackers and beating them by 10 yards of separation off of three different one-on-one plays has very soft hands. They actually at West Holmes used him as a wide receiver, primarily his sophomore year. So he played wide receiver uh, lining up on the outside, lining up in the slot and racked up more than a thousand yards in that end. So I think he's a very versatile weapon that Ohio state can use. And he said that he's open to playing the Curtis Samuel type of role for Tony Alford. He, you know, can line up in the slot a couple plays. He can take hands off, handoffs on reverses. He can run through the tackles if that's what they want him to do. He's open to really kind of being a, you know, I, you and I both hate the designation term athlete on like the 24 sevens, the rivals and all that stuff. Um, mostly because we both think that that's a polite way of saying, yeah, we don't know what position to call him. So we're just going to throw him as an athlete. Whereas everyone that you're ranking no matter what their position is, is an athlete. But if there was a guy to use that moniker for, I feel like Sam Williams Dixon would be it. And the possibilities are kind of endless of where he's going to play at Ohio State. And I mean, I always knew that, of course, you know, from what we've heard about him from people that know him well and from what his tape shows. But seeing it in person just really gave you that extra, ooh, this guy might have some uh, Xavier Johnson potential of being a Swiss Army knife and being able to use and be used in multiple roles. Yeah, and to be more specific, my, my real big pet peeve is when it's like a guy's like the number one 60 overall prospect yes. in the class, but he's the number four athlete. Well, yes. No, he's the number 160 athlete. They're all athletes. So that's right. kind of my, my pet peeve for the day right there. But, you know, to your point on Sam Williams Dixon, I, you know, I think that's notable because, you know, realistically, if they're taking three running backs, like not all of those guys are going to play as straight up running backs. And so mm-hmm. I think you could see on Sunday that potential for Sam Williams Dixon to maybe not necessarily be that totally traditional running back, but kind of more of a hybrid kind of guy. And, you know, and I said last week, I was honest on last week's podcast. And I said, if I was an H back kind of wide receiver, I would not come to Ohio state because you saw a guy, you've, we've seen guys like Caleb Brown, Jalen Gill, Mookie Cooper, guys who played that role, you know, really never find a role at Ohio state, but, but maybe the, the maybe the, the problem has been, that those guys are going into the wide receiver room. Maybe going into the running back room gives a better path. And maybe what Xavier Johnson can ultimately do this year, I just wrote about Xavier Johnson over the weekend, and Brian Hartline said, this guy's a really good receiver and a really good running back. We got to find ways to use him. And so I'm going to be really interested to see what Xavier Johnson does this year because I do think that could be the blueprint for what Sam Williams-Dixon can ultimately do coming in next year if they find a role for xavier johnson that really works for them then they're going to be looking for somebody to fill that role next year and that could give sam williams dixon a a big opportunity coming in because now that caleb brown is gone there really isn't an obvious candidate to play that role next after xavier johnson and so i think what xavier johnson does this year is going to give us some kind of idea of 
how realistic it is for Sam Williams Dixon to play that kind of role at Ohio State. Because it's fun to say Curtis Samuel, but Curtis Samuel was a long time ago. I mean, Ryan mm-hmm. Ryan Day wasn't even at Ohio State when Curtis Samuel, <laughs> Curtis Samuel was playing. And so, uh, you know, people love to bring up that example, but the reality is we haven't seen it with the last several guys who have been billed to play that role. And so I think if I'm Sam Williams Dixon, I'm hoping this Xavier Johnson role is what they're saying it can be this year. Because if it is, then if I'm Sam Williams Dixon, I'm feeling a lot more confident about my ability to come in and contribute early at Ohio State. Yeah, I've tried to stay away from the Curtis Samuel uh, comparisons, mostly because to your point, it was a long time ago. And, you know, Curtis Samuel also was very darn good. So I don't want to put unfair expectations on Sam that quickly. But that's why I've tried to lean more towards Xavier Johnson of a guy who developed and um, really flourished into a role in a prolific offense at Ohio State. But um, moving on, there are three other commits that camped at the Under Armour Nets camp in Ohio. Um, All three offensive linemen, Deontay and Devontae Armstrong, twin brothers, and Mark Nave out of Toledo. And Um, I'm sure you feel similar, but all three showed tremendous upside, um, tremendous physical tools, ability, but they all looked a little bit raw in some retrospect. Um, But from what I saw, Deontay looks the most college ready of the three right now, won all three of his one-on-ones, held very firm, playing left tackle three times. Um, Really impressed by what I saw, but still knows that he's going to need some time to develop. Um, I will say Mark kind of got a little bit of a raw deal. Uh, they asked him to play left tackle a couple times, and that's not his natural position, nor is it what it's, he's going to play at Ohio State. He's going to play left guard. And the reps that he got to play at left guard, he looked so much better than you know what was put out there. But um, yeah, and Devontae also um, flashed some promise as well, but also showed that He's, he's got a little bit of room to grow, too. So what was your take from watching those three offensive linemen on Sunday, Dan? Yeah, I mean, you'd expect them all to be projects, right? I mean, Deontay Armstrong is ranked 324th in the 24-7 sports composite rankings. Devontae Armstrong is 351st, and Mark Nave is 596. So these are not guys who are going to be expected to come in and compete for spots on the two deep in year one. These, these are guys who are going to be you know, two or three years of development uh, to get to where they can ultimately contribute on Ohio State's offensive line. And so, you know, I don't think you expect them to look like finished products right now. But I think with all three of them, you can see the physical tools, you know, and I think, you know, one thing that I think we've both gathered from just talking to Justin Fry, observing Justin Fry when he's recruiting offensive linemen is he really puts a premium on athleticism. He's not looking for like a a huge guy who's powerful, but can't move. He's looking for guys who can move. And you can see the, these guys have that kind of ability. You know, Mark, when I was talking to Mark Nave after the camp, you know, he was open about the fact that he still needs to lose some more weight. He's still, he's still trying to lean down. So he, you know, he, he still has some work to do in terms of getting his body right to where he does have that versatility to play all over the line. Right now, I think he's a guard. I think he's got that, you know, I think he wants to get to where he has that versatility to play more spots. And some of that is just getting his his body right. You know, I, I would agree with you, but I think, you know, just physically right now, I, I think Deontay looks the most impressive of the three. Like it, you can, you know, I just think that he, 
uh, looks like the guy who would be most college ready right now. But again, I think all these guys are going to need some development. But I do think it, it stood out to us because we hadn't seen that was my first time ever seeing Mark Nave in person. He didn't camp at Ohio state last year. We did see the Armstrong twins camp at Ohio state last year and they didn't earn an offer then, but they did get an offer later. And I think you could see why on Sunday, because you can tell they have grown. They have gotten better than where they were last year. And that's what ultimately earned them an offer and led to them becoming future Buckeyes. Yeah, absolutely agree with you, Dan. And there is no shortage of interesting 2025 quarterback storylines from Ohio State's perspective. And the Buckeyes have only extended two offers to two signal callers in that cycle. And both of them won uh, camp MVPs at their respective positions. And that's Ryan Montgomery and Bryce Underwood. And I'll let you start with this one, Dan. What did you think of... Uh, Ohio State's two actual targets right now that they've extended offers to, seeing them both throw in person on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I thought they both looked good. I mean, I, I think there's a lot to like about both of those guys. Uh, I would say this. I think you can see why Bryce Underwood is the top-ranked quarterback in the 25 class. He looks the part. Just some of the throws that he was making, it's like, all right, like, this dude's got some talent, like just the, the way that he's able to kind of thread that ball into those tight windows and the zip that he's able to put on the ball. He looks the part of the number one quarterback in the class. I think Ryan Montgomery looks like an Ohio State caliber quarterback. He he looks like he has all the tools to be a great college quarterback. I think Bryce Underwood has that kind of talent that he's the kind of guy you are going to chase. You are going to try to get. And I think that explains why they're the two quarterbacks that have offers in this class right now. Because I think, you know, Ryan Montgomery, I, I think they're in an interesting spot there with Ryan Montgomery to where it's like, most likely, if Ohio State goes all in on Ryan Montgomery, I think they will probably get him. Like, I think he is, Ohio State is probably the front runner for him. I don't think they're definitely the front runner for him because he has a lot of great offers. I mean, he's shown interest in Georgia and Clemson, Michigan, Tennessee. So he, you know, he's got a lot of offers, so they have to recruit him. Like it's not just a given that they're going to get him because he's from Ohio and his brother plays at Ohio State. But I do think that if they go all in on Ryan Montgomery, their chances of getting Ryan Montgomery are very good. And I think that's why they've been hesitant to offer anyone else from a class because I think you don't want to, you know, you, you don't want to sabotage your position that you have with Ryan Montgomery by pursuing too many other quarterbacks. But I think Bryce Underwood is the one quarterback in this class that they have to pursue. He, he's the guy that we, we've seen it over years. Ryan Day is always going to go for the best quarterback out there. I mean, you you can question Ohio State's recruiting tactics at some other positions. I don't think you can question that Ryan Day has consistently gone after some of the best quarterbacks in the country, and he's usually he's usually landed them. So I, I think you know for a guy like Bryce Underwood, he's too talented not to go after. But they still have to play it a little bit carefully, right? Because you know, Bryce Underwood, I mean, truthfully, I can say after talking to him, I really didn't get any read on how how good Ohio State is in, in position for him because 
he wasn't all that interested in talking to me if we're being honest, which, which <laughs> I understand. I understand he'd never met me before. Uh, he's a top five recruit in the country. He's got a lot of media coming after him. And so, you know, he's probably not all that interested in, you know, answering inane questions about the recruiting process, but he did visit Ohio state on Sunday after the camp. Uh, he did, um, you know, he, he visited in December, which is when he got his offer. I asked him, I said, you know, how, what is Ohio state's pedigree at quarterback means to you? And he said, it means a lot because I want to be a hall of famer in the NFL one day. And so he's certainly looking to go to a elite program for quarterbacks. And I think with Ohio state having three top 15 draft picks in the last five years, Ohio state has certainly positioned themselves as one of those elite programs. And so, you know, I think Ohio state's got a real chance there. I mean, and, and we talked before about Michigan trying to get guys in Ohio, if Ohio state can go and get Bryce Underwood, that would be a great counterpunch because Bryce Underwood is from Michigan. And so, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out, but you know, I think they're kind of in that position where, Bryce Underwood's the guy you got to go after. Like if you have a chance to get him, you got to go after him. If they're not going to get him, then then Ryan Montgomery's probably their guy. And I think everybody else, they're going to kind of monitor, but they're as long as they think they have a good chance at Ryan Montgomery, then unless someone else really elevates to that Bryce Underwood level, they're not going to go throwing out offers right now. Here's what I'll say of the two of them. I think Ryan Montgomery truly gets better every time I watch him in terms of his polish, in terms of his accuracy, and frankly, in terms of his physique. I remember a lot of Buckeye fan commenters were really worried, uh, maybe not worried, it's not the right term, but um, concerned once Ryan got that offer as a freshman that the name that popped into their head was Danny Clark, of the guy that was offered maybe a little too early and then just didn't really develop as well as the Ohio state coaches thought he would. And, you know, never really became that physical specimen that they were hoping that he would. And it didn't match up with his arm talent. Whereas Ryan Montgomery, you know, the guy adds muscle like every few months, every time I see him, um, I think he's in the two hundreds now in terms of his weight, um, truly looks like, you know, a guy that's going to be a high caliber quarterback. And I can almost guarantee that he is going to commit to, some college football team that is going to be a college football playoff contender, especially since he'll his freshman year will be when the playoffs are expanded. I, I think it's or sophomore year, I guess I'm a year ahead of the cycle. But nonetheless, Bryce Underwood is just looked like he was made in a lab that was designated for arm talent, speed, athleticism, every package, like everything that I had. I'm just was blown away by the tools that were there by Bryce Underwood. And it was sort of a, you can't go wrong with either one, but Underwood just looked to be at a little bit higher, has more tools in the tool belt. I should say a little bit more upside. Whereas I almost want to say Montgomery has a little bit of a safer floor just based off of that profile and the release and all those things that uh, quarterback gurus argue for days about that has kind of been disproven over the last decade or so of quarterback arm releases and all that. But I think it's kind of an interesting conundrum. And we're going to talk about Ohio State 2025 quarterback recruiting, you know, until they end up picking one. And then even then we'll still going to be talking about it. And the debate will rage on whether they got the right guy for three years after that. But obviously, I think 
if there's a tie, you always go with the local guy just because it's better optics. But I'm not sure if there will be a tie. But I know that Ryan is going to work his butt off to make sure that there is a tie between the two of them. Obviously, it would be a great story if Ryan comes to Ohio State with you know Luke Montgomery being there. It was really cool. I was chatting with Ryan for a little bit, and uh, he got asked what he does better than Luke besides throw a football on the football field. And Luke happened to be standing like a couple yards away, and he just looked, and he's like, nothing. Sits on his butt and just plays video games all day. Um, it would be really fun to have that dynamic for maybe a year or two in the college setting, even if maybe Ryan isn't uh, ready to play his first couple of years. But um, but it's also we also have to remember it's not just a two way race for who's going to be Ohio State's 2025 quarterbacks, and um, there were some other names there that could potentially enter the picture. Um, the one that comes to mind is Jameson Kitna, the son of former NFL QB John Kitna, who I remember having a really fun year for the Detroit Lions and then, well, um, didn't go so well after that. But he also was a uh, – wasn't he the backup for the Bengals for a while? And then he had to play that playoff game when Carson Palmer got hurt the after he had that, like, 60-yard pass. But um, he, he was a backup for a lot of teams for a long time. But Hey, I mean, he had that, like, career renaissance for, like, two or three years. But um, nonetheless – um, Jameson Kitna, you know, obviously has the genes, um, was pretty impressed by the throws I saw him make a couple times. And then Tavion St. Clair is a guy that both of us have seen multiple times throw. And he also definitely has the arm talent to factor into this race. And I wouldn't put either one of them ahead of either of the two that we mentioned yet, but they definitely have the tools to make this kind of interesting going forward. And I'm sure we're going to see more of them in camps. And it also is kind of interesting, the quarterback talent in general for Ohio, because you've got three really talented guys in 25 with those three you mentioned. We've got a couple of 26 guys and um, Nathan Bernhard and Rocco Williams that also looked that like could be intriguing names one day. And I think it's kind of cool for Ohio that, um, you know, their talent in quarterback, especially, you know, the past couple cycles. Now they got a guy that's pretty good at Penn state. That's probably going to be their starter. Uh, has kind of flourished over the past couple of years and seems to be going that way in the future. But I don't want to divert too far from the point, Dan, of the quarterbacks that you saw, not named Bryce Underwood, not named Ryan Montgomery. What stuck out to you about those guys? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought Jamison Kitna, uh, I was I was impressed by him. Like you said, I, I don't think he's at the same level as you know Bryce Underwood and Ryan Montgomery right now, but I think he's going to be a guy that, you know, going into his junior season, but I think Ohio State's certainly going to be monitoring. Same goes for Tavian St. Clair. And it's, you know, it's it's always a good thing if you have, you know, three quarterbacks in your state that are power five talents. And so I think that's the good thing for Ohio State is, you know, it's not, it, if, you know, Ryan Montgomery decides he wants to go somewhere else and you don't get Bryce Underwood, there, there are some other options in your backyard that y- you, you could quickly jump into the race with. And so, you know, I think that's the good news for Ohio State there. You know, I don't I don't think they're in a rush to offer any other quarterbacks because I think they feel like they're in a pretty good spot for Ryan Montgomery. But, you know, there, there's there's talent out there to where, you know, we've seen Ryan Day rally before. We saw him do it with Aaron Nolan this year. We saw him do it with Lincoln Keynolls the year before. He, he, you know, you can never count Ohio State out of the, the race for a top quarterback because they've shown time and time again they can make up ground in those races late in the process. But I think, 
I think Ohio State's well positioned right now in 25 to where I think you know you can you know can I, you can identify two top targets that they definitely have a chance with, and then you can identify some other guys too that there's they've at least had communication with. There's at least been some groundwork laid with that if Ohio State decides it wants to start recruiting those guys more heavily, it's not going to be starting from square one. We'll talk about one more guy from the Under Armour camp, and then we'll move on to maybe a little fun game that will probably look both of us look bad in a month and a half. But um, Bo Jackson, not that Bo Jackson. Uh, make sure that you were sitting down. I should have given a disclaimer warning. Not the you know Bo Jackson from the eighties and nineties. Bo Jackson from Cleveland. Um, looked exceptional running back out of the 2025 class already holds an Ohio state offer. I believe his was the Ohio state was the second or third team to offer him. I want to say second. I think Kentucky was the first, but he was the guy that came to Ohio state's camp in June last year, really dazzled them and then has continued to get better. I remember watching him last summer in the seven on seven tournament where he was playing both defensive back and running back. And I was like, man, this guy is just an athletic freak. I can understand why his mom gave him the nickname of Bo Jackson. (laughs) But um, I I was really impressed with his versatility. You know, there's only so much you can take from agility drills. But, I mean, just his size, his speed, um, he looks the part of an Ohio State running back. And um, running out of the backfield, he's maybe not as – you know, dangerous of a receiving weapon is, let's say, a Sam Williams-Dixon, who's obviously a little bit more polished on that end of his game. But he clearly could be utilized in screen passes and swing routes and maybe a couple, you know, angle routes in the middle of the field. And I'm just like, man, this this guy looks like he's going to run people over, looks like he can run between the tackles, looks like he can be a nice receiving weapon out of the backfield. Um, I think this is a guy that they're definitely going to focus on a lot in the 25 class. Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, this is a general point, you know, to kind of wrap up the camp, you know, I've, I've been going to that camp, you know, every year uh, for probably the last, you know, five or six years since I've been here at 11 warriors. And it was without a doubt, you know, the most talent that I've seen at that camp uh, since they've been doing it there at, at Fortress Obets, uh, down in South of Columbus. And most of that top talent came from the state of Ohio, or if not, you know, generally in the Midwest. And I think that's something that you really like to see if you're Ohio state is it does feel like there's a bit of a resurgence right now in terms of homegrown talent in Ohio and, and around the area which, you know, I mean, I mean, Mark Pantone talked about it, you know, earlier this year about how Ohio State has kind of, you know, redoubled its efforts a little bit in the Midwest because, uh, you know, just with NIL and all the other factors right now in, in college football, you know, it's become a little bit more challenging than maybe it was, you know, early in the Urban Meyer years to, you know, recruit certain areas of the country. And so I, I think it's a very good thing for Ohio State that, uh, we're seeing, you know, more talent being developed inside the state of Ohio or adjacent to the state of Ohio that is Ohio State caliber talent. Ohio State's going to continue to uh, ch- pursue that top talent all over the country, and we've already seen them land some of that top talent in the 2024 class. But you know, the more talent 
that's concentrated in Ohio State's backyard, but better. Dan, we're going to play a game, and we're probably both going to be wrong. And, you know, like I said earlier, when uh, I had my loan prediction, that was right. It's the only one I wanted to be held accountable for. Don't hold me accountable for these, even though I'm sure you will. And a month and a half, two months when these actually come to fruition. But we're going to play a game that everybody loves, in or out. And we're going to talk about a couple Ohio State targets that, uh, you know, have a lot of intrigue. And um, I guess I'll just stop rambling and kind of get right into it. Dan Hope, we'll start with cornerback Bryce West. Do you have him in or out? I'm going to say in. I mean, we've seen Ohio State have you know good success recruiting Glenville over the years uh, that certainly you know started back up last year with Arvell Reese and you know Bryce West has been a guy who's been one of their top targets in the 2024 cycle really from the moment they offered him and so uh, I do think Ohio State sits in a good spot with Bryce West I I don't think that race is over I think Michigan is is in that race but I I, I do think at the end of the day I will be surprised if Bryce West is not a Buckeye. I have Bryce West solidly in as well. I would be very, maybe not very, but I'd be surprised if he's not in Ohio State's 2024 class when his recruitment is said and done. All right. I know you wrote about this one on Monday. He's probably the most talked about in terms of will he go to Ohio State? Will he go to Michigan? Will he go elsewhere? You know, Oregon's a threat too. Another fellow Ohio cornerback. Aaron Scott, Dan, do you have him in? Do you have him out? Yeah, this is probably the toughest one, one of the toughest ones on the board right now because you know you you always expect Ohio State to land those top of a board in-state guys, but man, I might lean out right now. It just it just feels like Michigan's got some momentum there. You know, maybe even Oregon's kind of lurking as a threat. It just, I don't know, it just feels like this is one that might not go Ohio State's way. Now, I still think Ohio State's very much in that race. I think Ohio State, you know, hosting him for a visit in June is certainly going to try to to win that race. I I think he's genuinely conflicted right now. I I think he genuinely doesn't. I think he will probably pick over Ohio State or Michigan, but I, I don't think he's made a decision yet. But I might have to lean toward out right now. Similar to Jordan Marshall um, back when he was, you know, saying publicly that just because he's from Ohio doesn't mean that he's going to Ohio State. I've kind of gotten that vibe from Aaron, too, from just listening to what he said. Um, but that being said, by the hair of my chinny chin chin, I'm going to put Aaron Scott as in in this class. I think at the end of the day, um, the family ties will win out. Uh, Aaron Scott didn't even grow up a Buckeye fan. He grew up an Oregon Ducks fan. Um, So, you know, he didn't grow up rooting for either Michigan or Ohio State, but his family loves Ohio State. And sometimes that matters. And I know he's been saying that I'm not just going to Ohio State because I'm from Ohio and my family wants me to go to Ohio State, or I guess I should rephrase that too. My family grew up rooting for Ohio State, but um, this is probably the one that's going to bite me, but I'm, I'm picking Aaron Scott is in by the hair of my chinny chin chin, and I don't feel great about it. And maybe I'll even change my mind by this time next week. But for now, I'm sticking in, locking it in. All right, Garrick, uh, a guy who's been at the top of many of your heat checks this year, five-star safety, KJ Bolden. What do you think? 
Yeah, he's he's been pretty much the undisputed number one in the heat check. Um, our monthly editorial on essentially who I think Ohio State's top 12 targets are on a combination of talent, chance to come to Columbus, and a couple other factors. But I would say right now I'm leaning toward out. I would lean toward Georgia is going to land its hometown product. But again, I could be convinced in the summer if an official visit goes well. He is the cousin of Perry Eliano. So it's not like Ohio State doesn't have a really darn good chance to pull this one out. But um, right now I'm leaning out, but only slightly leaning. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. Speaking of Georgia, let's go to a Georgia safety commit because Peyton Woodyard is committed to Georgia, but just announced this past week that he is going to be taking an official visit to Ohio State as well as Alabama. And so Ohio State's still very much in this race here. What do you think, Garrett? Can Ohio State flip Peyton Woodyard? I think they will. Um, it's very cautious optimism for me. Um Obviously, you're always trailing when he's committed to somewhere else. But I feel like Peyton has always felt like an Ohio State type of guy. Um, I felt like he's really vibed with their coaching staff. I felt like he's really vibed with um, their defensive scheme. I think he'd be a great fit for them. And I think um, it's also easier that he's not necessarily a Southern kid because it's a lot harder to flip the Southern kids from an SEC school than it is to flip you know, a West Coast guy. And I don't think this is going to be anywhere near the top five factors of Peyton's decision, but it would be kind of nice to be like, hey, we're going to play in USC and UCLA uh, every other year, so you can come back home and play in front of your friends and family every once in a while. But I, I think they're going to get Peyton, but again, it's only mildly cautious optimism and could look very stupid in uh, two months from now. I agree with you on that one as well. Let's go for one more safety. Reggie Powers from Centerville. I think a lot of people, when when he got the offer from Ohio State, thought he was pretty much going to commit almost immediately, but hasn't committed yet. What do you think, Garrick? Does he ultimately end up in the class? I would say in if Ohio State wants him to be in. Um, I think that if he is not in, I think it's more of a they preferred other options and acquired other options and they just actually decided they didn't decide to have room for him for whatever reason. Um, but I like Reggie a lot. You know, I got to saw him a little bit at the Under Armour camp and I thought he definitely looked the part of being an Ohio state safety. Um, so I will say that he's in assuming that that's what Ohio state wants as well. Let's go to the linebacker position, uh, five-star linebacker, Sammy Brown. He will be making an official visit to Ohio State in June as well. What do you think? Can the Buckeyes land Sammy Brown? I think they can, but I'm predicting they won't. I think that you know, Clemson and the other Southern schools recruiting him, uh, he's been pretty high on for a long time, and it's going to take something incredibly significant to – take him away from that. But I will say James Laurinaitis being on Ohio state staff does give them a fighting chance. They kind of had, would have had a slight chance without him, but um, him being on the staff, um, him and Sammy were pretty close and, you know, he was pumped when he got moved over to Ohio state. And I think there's a chance. I just don't know if it's a great chance. I'm putting Sammy Brown out right now. Yeah, I, I would put Sammy Brown out as well. Now a linebacker who I would put in would actually be, 
the first player Ohio State ever offered in the 2024 class. Um, that is actually Peyton Woodyard's high school teammate, Kingston Viliamu Asa from St. John Bosco High School. What do you think? Do Ohio, does Ohio State land him? Um, I go back and forth on this one daily, too. I'll have him in slightly. I think that it's going to be a crazy head-to-head battle with Notre Dame for him. Defensive line, obviously a a very important position for Ohio State in this class because of what you mentioned earlier about Ohio State missing out on Keon Keeley, Damon Wilson, and Mateo Uyunglele last year. Seems like the top guy that Ohio State really wants right now on the edge is Dylan Stewart. What do you think, Garrett? Can Ohio State land Dylan Stewart? Mm, Man, he'd be such a great get for them. Um I wish I could say yes, but I'm hedging and I'm going to have him as out. I just need to see them get one of them before I predict that they're going to get a premier uh, edge guy. Uh, so not it's not out of the realm of possibility that they can convert him, but I'll say for now I have him slightly out. Another five-star edge guy that they're going to be hosting uh, this summer, Edric Houston from Georgia. Similar thoughts there, or do you think they have a better shot? Yeah, similar thoughts, but um, again, with all these guys, I think they have a great shot at them. Um, I don't want to you know, make it seem like they don't, because they very much do. But um, I just have to go basically, you know, in this game, I'm basically going Ohio State or the field. So unfortunately, I have to pick the field for those two. And then, you know, another defensive end, uh, who has you know been interested in Ohio State and along uh, for a long time, but we know you know Oklahoma, Texas are heavily in that race as well. Nigel Smith, do you have him in or out? I'll put him in. Um, I think Peyton Pierce can work his magic. Um, Larry Johnson can work his magic, and you know he's been to Ohio State a lot, and I know that staying kind of towards the southern region of the country would be pretty appealing for him, but. I think they can win that one. So um, they, they're going to get some solid defensive end. So that's uh, who I'm going with right now, Nigel Smith. Um, yeah. That really the last week or so. So, um, again, going to be a tough battle for all these guys. But for the sake of this game, I'll say they get Nigel Smith. Yeah, I would agree. But I think he's probably the one they have the best shot with. I, I, I do feel like they have a real shot with Dylan Stewart, but like you said, I think maybe some scar tissue from how last year when it's kind of like you, you know, they don't necessarily appear to be the front runner in those battles right now. And we saw last year, they weren't able to close. And so they've got to prove that they can close with those five-star guys uh, before you can feel really good about it happening. Another five-star defensive lineman who Ohio state has been in the thick of a race for at defensive tackle Justin Scott. This is a guy who was actually supposed to commit earlier this year, ended up delaying his commitment. Where do you think that one's trending, Garrick? Um, I think he's solidly out right now, but I do think they'll get a chance to get back in the race for that one. But at this time, I would lean towards uh, him going to another program. 
we've talked about a lot of defensive players for obvious reasons because Ohio State has a lot more offensive players in the class right now than defensive players. But there are still some premier targets for Ohio State on the offensive side of the ball. And I think we would both agree the number one target right now is Brandon Baker, the offensive tackle from modern day in Southern California. Ohio State could really use a premier offensive tackle in this class. And Brandon Baker is the number one ranked offensive tackle in this class. What do you think, Garrett? Can they get Brandon Baker? Yes, but again, I'm going to stick with my trend of not making very many friends in this uh, podcast, in this game, and saying that he will go somewhere else. Um, again, I just got to see him land a top premier offensive tackle before I'm like, yeah, this they're finally going to get this one. This time, I swear they're going to get it. Um, yeah. So I will, although Brandon Baker is very high on Ohio State, and Justin Fry has done a magnificent job in that recruitment, uh, it would not shock me at all if they get him. But, you know, Georgia is lurking and there's some other teams in there that could also be contenders for him. So, unfortunately, I have him as out at the moment. Yeah, modern day has typically been a USC pipeline, so you can't count out USC in that recruitment either. But it does feel like Ohio State's in the the thick of that one. Jordan Seaton, it seemed like Ohio State maybe had more momentum for him early in the year than it does right now. But certainly, he's still a top-of-a-board kind of target for Ohio State. What do you think, Garrett? Can they get can they get Jordan Seaton? Out by a mile. Of all the prospects on here, he's the one I feel the least confident in. I think that that just for whatever reason trended away. And uh, as of this point, I would be surprised if Jordan Seaton's in the class. Tight end. We know we we've talked for about five years now about Ohio State trying to get this two tight end class, and they've got halfway there now. They got a commitment from uh, the Canadian-born tight end Max LeBlanc. Uh, literally like the minute the spring game was starting, uh, but they still want a second tight end and the top target uh, would be Bryce West's Glenville teammate, Damarian Witten. Do you think Damarian Witten is in Garrick? Well, we'll go back to some optimism. Yes. I believe that after all these years, they will finally get their coveted two tight end class and probably hold on to it. Although, you know, you never know. They thought they had it last year and then Ty Lockwood went to Alabama. But I think that this is the year they finally get their two tight end class, and it will be Max LeBlanc and Demarion Witten. I agree with you on that one. I think Demarion Witten will be a Buckeye. Another offensive uh, pass catcher that Ohio State has seemingly had momentum with is Jeremiah McClellan, the wide receiver from St. Louis. Garrick, do you think they close the deal on that one? I think they do. I think. He will be a Buckeye when all is said and done. Oh, fun little fact, uh, Mylon Graham did say uh, he is uh, going out of his way to peer recruit him. So uh, I think that they will get him. I'm going in. And one more wide receiver. We're going to go Jeremiah Smith's teammate, Joshiza Trader, a five-star wide receiver from Florida. I think a lot of people have him staying in Florida, but Ohio State's not out of that race yet. What do you think, Garrick? Um, I'm never discounting Brian Hartline recruiting a wide receiver ever, but I think it would take something magnificent to take him away from the state of Florida. So I will go out. Who didn't I include on this list who you also think Ohio State has a good chance of landing a commitment from this summer? Hmm. I will go Edwin Spillman. Um, Tennessee linebacker seems to be a two-way race between Tennessee and them. I'm thinking off the top of my head, I think that Miles Lockhart has wanted to be a Buckeye since the day they offered him, and I would be very surprised if he is not a Buckeye on his commitment date July 6th, but you know, still got to 
take the official visit circuit. So certainly not a done deal by any means. Um, I think, you know, another highly touted cornerback that I think they're in great shape with is Zabian Brown, uh, modern day cornerback. And um, I would put him as in right now, if you asked me in or out. Um, yeah, we'll go with those three for now. There's a couple more, but those are off the top of my head. It's like maybe Jaden Jackson. Wait, wait. Defensive- yes, I, was, I just thought of Jaden. I was like, I'll put Jaden in. I'll put Jaden in. I like where they're at with Jaden Jackson. So those four. Let's talk a little bit of basketball before we wrap up here on this week's Real Pod Wednesdays because Ohio State uh, did fill out its 2023-24 roster last week. Uh, the last couple of dominoes falling uh, for Ohio State's roster for next year. The first one coming last Wednesday when former Penn State wing Evan Mahaffey committed to the Buckeyes. And this looks like more of a long-term play than a short-term play. This is a guy who still has three years of eligibility left, only scored 2.8 points per game, as a freshman at Penn state, but he's from Moeller high school in Cincinnati. Certainly a guy who's got some upside gives them some more depth on the wing there to play with guys like Minnesota transfer Jamison battle and incoming freshman Devin Royal and, and Scotty Middleton. Uh, we knew that was going to be a need for Ohio state to add some forwards uh, with just suing leaving most likely Bryce Sensabaugh staying in the NBA draft. And so uh, a sensible pickup there. And of course, the, the, the big question that a lot of Ohio State fans had when Evan Mahaffey committed to Ohio State on Wednesday was, wait, we're not going to leave a Brownie? spot. Yeah. What about Bronny? We're not leaving a spot open for Bronny. Well, I think Ohio State had a pretty good idea at that point. They were not going to get Bronny James because on Saturday, Bronny James officially committed to USC, which was the way things seemed to be trending for months. But it was fun to think about the possibility of him playing for the Buckeyes. Man, what a mysterious recruitment up until like the last couple of weeks or so. Like nobody. And, you know, I know that certain publications wrote an article about him every single day, even when there was absolutely no news of substance. But that was one of the most mysterious recruitments I've ever followed. Like absolutely nobody knew Jack, even if they said they did, nobody knew a damn thing. Um, (laughs) I wasn't that surprised. I didn't pick Ohio state because I've just had this gut feeling for like a solid year that he was never coming to Ohio state. Um, even though I wouldn't have been surprised if LeBron was like, come on, play for Ohio State. And then he probably retorted like, well, yeah, you didn't, Dad. And then he'd be like, yeah, well, whatever. But um, it would have been really fun. It would have probably made us write a lot more. Oh, I, you know what? I'm going to scratch that and say that we would have written more basketball offseason content pieces in the history of 11 Warriors if Ronnie James came to Ohio State than – we, you know, we would have otherwise, but would have been a really fun storyline. And I mean, think about how pumped USC basketball beat writers are right now. Well, I don't know if there's any specialized ones, but just USC beat writers in general about, wow, this is the most interest in our program there's been in a long time. And it's not like they've been bad. They've been a, you know, perennial NCAA tournament uh, uh, team for the last couple seasons, but it's going to be fun. And, uh, you know, you know what? This this isn't even on our rundown, but I'm just going to throw it out there as a fun, maybe last segue out of here. Of these two prospects that have been hyped to the max, both have very famous last names. 
who do you think will have a better college career? And maybe this isn't fair because one will only be there for one year and one will be there for three years. But whatever, I'm asking it. This is a podcast. Room for hot takes every once in a while. Arch Manning, Brownie James. Which one, Dan Hope, is better? That's a fun one. Yeah, I mean, which which one is better is probably a different question and which one's going to have a better college career, right? Because like you said, I mean, I, I think most likely Bronny's only going to play one year of college basketball before he goes to the NBA and uh, some team drafts him hoping to, to get his dad to play for the team as well. Uh, but I, I would go with Arch Manning. I mean, I think, I mean, I mean, Bronny did become a five-star late in the process, but I think the general consensus is that, you know, Br- Bronny's talented. Bronny's talented. Bronny might be an NBA player. Bronny is not his dad. Bronny is not the, I mean, his dad was literally probably the best high school basketball prospect ever. And he's lived up to the hype in every way. Bronny's not that same level of prospect. Now he's still a great prospect. Like he's a better prospect than Michael Jordan's kids were, but he's not been, he's not been a number one prospect in the country like Arch Manning is. And so I think the expectation would be that Arch Manning is going to ultimately have the better career, whether it be at the college level or the pro level. We still have to see like, is Arch Manning really all that, or is he being overhyped a little bit because of his last name? But you know, indications would be, you know, if you're not going off of, you know, 10 throws in a spring game, if you're going off of his, you know, high school career and his pedigree, that he's somebody who has the talent to be an elite quarterback. So I'll go for Arch Manning. Okay. Um, I guess we do have one more question that we can uh, recenter locally before we get out of here. And that is, you know, Ohio State's projected depth chart for the basketball team has already been set. You kind of ran through it earlier. We can go through it again if we have to in your explanation. But with the roster pretty much set now, what are your expectations for Ohio State basketball in 2023, 2024? Is this roster good enough for the breakthrough Chris Holtman needs and the fans desperately want him to have? Or is this just another team that struggles just to make the tournament? Yeah, you know, I I think I'm somewhere in between those two spots right now. Like, I do think this is a tournament team. I, I think... They should be better than last year because, I mean, they they have that that core that they're bringing back from the freshman class of last year. I think you know those guys, you know, Felix Akpara, Roddy Gale, and Bruce Fortin, who I'm all projecting to be starters this year. I think all of those guys having an extra year of experiment experience, they're going to be able to carry the team a lot. I think I like this crop of transfer players better. You know, I, I think Jamison Battle's a guy that I'm reasonably confident is going to come in and make a bigger impact than any of the transfers did last year. And I think bringing in another talented group of freshmen, you know, Devin Royal, Scotty Middleton, Tyson Chapman, I think those are all guys that can make an immediate impact. Also bringing back Zed Key, a guy who, you know, as I've said before in a podcast, I don't really see the Felix Akpara Zed Key playing together thing coming to fruition, at least not in a way that I think would be good for Ohio State. But, you know, he's certainly still a guy who's going to play an important role on the team and, you know, form that post tandem with Felix Akpara. And so I do think the team should be better than last year. But for me to sit here and say, I think this is a Sweet 16 team, for me to sit here and say, I think this is a Big Ten championship kind of team, I would be lying. I, I, I just don't know that I, I think this, this roster is quite that. I think if Bryce Sensabaugh was coming back, if he makes a surprise decision to come back, I, I, I'd have more optimism. I, I think without Bryce, I look at this roster and I say, it's a good roster. Like I think the two deep is, I think the two deep is pretty solid. Like I think they have two guys at every position who, who can play this year. 
but I don't know if there's a superstar. You know, I mean, Bruce Fortin showed a lot of good things last year. You know, maybe he can become that. You know, Roddy Gale was great in the Big Ten tournament. Maybe he can become that. But I, I just don't know if there's that star player who who can really elevate this team from being in the tournament team to a Sweet 16 kind of team. So I would say I think Ohio State will make the NCAA tournament, but I would sell right now on the idea of this team being a Sweet 16 team. Yeah, I remember last year, and this is only the second ever prediction I got right on the podcast. I was actually kind of the low man on this Ohio State men's basketball team. I looked at the transfer portal additions, and I was like, I don't know, none of them really do anything for me. And you're asking like four very highly touted freshmen, but freshmen nonetheless to come in and basically be game changers from day one. And I was like, it doesn't line up for me. Um, And I had them, yeah, on, on the bubble, and it turns out they were worse. Although I'm probably probably right around where you are, maybe a little bit more optimistic. Um, most of their core is coming back, um, whereas last year, like I, I remember, and this is just probably more of an indictment on me because I'm not the basketball beat guy, and I just you know show up to take photos every now and then, and I like watching them and. I like paying attention to them, but you know, I'm not in the day to day as a Griffin or maybe even you are. I just like, I walked into OSU basketball media day last year. I saw like these 15 new faces and I was like, who the hell is that? Who the hell is that? Oh, there's Zed key. Who the hell is that? Who the hell is that? And this year it seems like they have a good solid mix of new additions and returners that you can actually count on and are dependable. And I don't think it's ridiculous to expect a tournament appearance and maybe at least one win, but that sweet 16 that everyone's uh, so desperately coveted, I can't pick that. I would pick them to be a round of 32 exit if uh, we made preseason predictions today. So that's my expectation for Ohio State men's basketball. Well, Garrick, thank you for filling in on the show this week. Uh, great job. It's always a pleasure to have you. And uh, as we move into what will be a uh, busy summer of recruiting for Ohio State, I'm sure we will have you back on the show again later this summer uh, to recap all of that. Uh, Griffin will be back next week. I'm actually on vacation part of next week, so he can decide who he wants to co-host the show with next week. But uh, both Griffin and I Chase, will be back. Chase, on the- Chase, 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 Chase. <laughs> You know, I would I would give Chase my vote too. I you know Chase Chase has not made his real Pod Wednesday's debut yet, but I will uh, trust Griffin to make that call. But uh, in two weeks from now, it will be uh, back to me and Griffin the regular lineup. But Garrick always does a great job when he fills in. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for everybody for listening in, and uh, we'll ke- check back in with you soon.